Oh, that was good. See, I, when they said that this was a thing, I was like, it's going to be a great thing. I was like, how do you transition out of that and, and go into the Word? Uh, well, we're going to see. We're going to do it in just a moment. But I'm, I'm excited that we had that time of excitement. Uh, not that the Word is not exciting, but just in a moment of transparency. As I've been reading through this text this week, my heart has been heavy. Uh, my prayer has been, Lord, just uh, give me the strength to preach in love and with compassion. Uh, there are actually two sermons in here that I've been wrestling with for the past uh, week, and I just feel like the Lord is saying we'll only preach one, so we're going to preach one, but <clears throat> um, I'm torn, so I may have to find another outlet to get this other one out. Uh, if you are new with us, my name is Michael Darbruz. I'm one of the pastors of this great faith family and, and thankful to the Lord to be here and a part of this body. Uh, we have started what I call a mini-series. Uh, this is our second installment of the three-part series uh, called Reach, where we're talking about creating a Christ culture. And so we're diving into Acts uh, right now, we're looking at Acts chapter 2, and then we may bounce over to uh, Acts chapter 8. We'll see uh, on the last week of this month. Last week, we talked about reaching up, looking at Acts chapter 2, verse 42 and 43, and what it looks like to pursue the Lord that you love. And if you didn't see that uh, or you weren't here for that service, I encourage you to go back and listen uh, to it because this builds. Right? This is not a, a standalone. So this is building off of the understanding of what we had died into last week. And in today's uh, service, we're going to talk about reaching in. And again, it was really two parts. One uh, was the recipe for reaching in. That's verse 44, which we'll dive into, and then verses 45 through 47, which we won't, uh, is the reality of reaching in. But there's some practical steps, and, and again, prayerfully, I'll find some other outlet to, to share that truth. But we'll be looking to unpack verse 44 uh, this hour. Before we do dive into the word together, I ask that you would pray for me and that you would pray with me as we spend time in God's word. Father, we come humbly before your throne of grace, grateful that you, the creator of the universe, would speak to and through your people. And so, Lord, in this hour, we do not take for granted that you are present and that we are desperately dependent. Would you please minister to our hearts on this morning? Open our ears that we might hear and our hearts that we might respond. We need you, Father. We need you so that we can respond in a way that reflects your love. Please do it in only a way that you can. It's in Jesus' name we pray. We thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Acts chapter 2, verse 44 through 47 read, And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. In verse 44, Luke tells us that 
all who believed were together and had all things in common. In the context of the letter that Luke is writing, we could understand that there are at least two groups that Luke is referring to. One group were those who cried when Jesus was crucified. The other group were those who cried out, crucify him, crucify him. But as we saw last week, that group came to hear the apostles' teaching and gave their lives to Jesus. And so now these two groups that were on polar opposite ends of the spectrum, because they believe in Jesus, they're together and have all things in common. So their trust in Jesus changed the trajectory of their life. They were together. This word together actually captures three Greek words, which communicates fits the same. We would say we're on the same page. We have something in common. We're one. And then we look at having all things in common. It's that they cared for each other. So they identified with each other and they cared for each other. The recipe for reaching in is loving God and loving each other. If you've been saved for a little while, that may sound familiar as it's the two great commandments. And what we'll see in this scripture, in the word of God, is that this recipe is not a suggestion. It's actually an expectation. It's a command. We are all, as believers in Christ, to fit the same to be on the same page, and to care for each other. And while it could be a hard thought to wrap our mind around, I don't want you to take my word for it. I want you to take the word's word for it. So we're going to dive into some scripture here so that we can see that this is not a conversation. This is not a debate. This is a requirement. We are to be one in Christ. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 29, the word of God reads, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. You are all together, fitting the same. You identify with each other in Christ Jesus. Now, Paul is not ignorant. He's very much aware of the differences that there are as we are walking on this earth. If you read through his other letters, Paul knows that there is a difference between a male and a female. He's aware that there is a difference between a Jew and a Greek. There are different nationalities. He understands that there are different socioeconomic statuses. There are some who are wealthy. There are some who are not. But what Paul is speaking to is what we identify with. And so Paul makes it clear because we are in Christ Jesus, we are all sons and daughters of God, which means that we are brothers and sisters. And he says, for as many as were baptized into Christ, and we talked about baptism last month some, and what we learned was that that's us identifying with Christ, but that's also Christ identifying with us. So as many as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Now, we understand this in other contexts, right? If there's uh, something that I've learned in the little bit of time that I've been in Texas is that some people really love H-E-B and Topo Chico. 
I still haven't quite nailed it down yet, but it's, it seems like it's a fad. If I, as I've gone into every home over the last month or so, there's only been one family that has not offered me a Topo Chico. <clears throat> but we're going to deal with this obsession with Topo Chico another time. For right now, I want to help us understand this putting on by looking at H-E-B. Most of you, I imagine, have either stock in H-E-B or shop there, the way that people talk about it. Right? When you go into H-E-B, if you don't know where something is, now you could spend an hour or so looking for it, or you can find somebody and ask for help. Now, as you're looking for someone to ask for help, you do not look for someone based on their nationality. You don't look for someone because they might be wealthy or they might be poor, and you figure, oh, you know what, you have a lot of money, maybe you could help me find what I'm looking for. You do not even care if the person is a male or a female. What you are looking for is someone who has put on the H-E-B uniform. And when you see them in their uniform, you know that they identify with this establishment so then they can help you find the Topo Chico that you're looking for. <clears throat> right? And so you go and you say, excuse me, ma'am. See, I identify that you are a female. And I want to know, could you help me find something here? It's like, well, what you asking me for? Oh, you put on the uniform. I figured you would know where it is. That wouldn't even be a right response. Like, well, you have, oh, that's right, I wore my shirt. See, they put on the uniform, and you expect them then to be able to help you as you come in the store. Paul is saying, we have put on Christ. So, yes, I understand that my hue may be darker than somebody else's. I get it that I am impoverished. I'm a vocational pastor in the woodlands. I will not live in the bubble. I will live on the outskirts of the bubble. <laughs> right? And I understand that I am a male. But what we're saying is I identify with Christ because I have put on Christ. So that is my identity. Who are you, Michael? I'm a son of the living God. That's my identity. See, Paul is talking about some things that were significant dividers even in this day. And if we're honest, there's significant dividers today as well. Nationality, socioeconomic status, gender. Paul said that should not divide us because the blood of Christ binds us together. So you have put on Christ. And because you have put on Christ, then we are family. We are one in Christ. We're together, fits the same. We identify with one another. I get it. We all have a story. I've been through some things. I've had some experiences that you haven't had. You have had some experiences that I haven't had. But because we identify with Christ, that's what we lead in with. We have eternity together. I highly recommend we start now. And that's what the scriptures are speaking to. So because you believe. Now, if you don't believe in Jesus, this is not an expectation. This is not a requirement. But if you believe in Jesus, we should be together. Now, see, this is where I've been praying. I was like, all right, Lord, I don't want to go like, off the rails here. So I'm, I'm going to contain. I felt like maybe I should get a chair so I could sit down because that usually calms me down. So I'm going to just take a, like a semi-squat here so I could just microphone ease into this thing, right? Because if we're honest, we're experiencing more division in the body of Christ than unity. And it pains me. I mean, my heart was really heavy this week at the thought of what's happening in what's referred to as the body of Christ. 
the things that divide us. And I'm going to go out here because it needs to be said, right? And it needs to be said from the pulpit. It's a sad thing that we see ministries dividing over vaccines, whether or not to wear masks or not to wear masks. Right? People are splitting over music preferences, political affiliations. I'm sorry. The blood of Jesus. If that's not strong enough to bring us together, when you stop and think about it, and we're going to dive a little bit deeper, so just, just hold on. But when you think about who Christ is and what he has done, it would look silly, right, for someone who has on the uniform to not act like they are a part of the establishment. But because I put on the uniform, now nothing else supersedes my partnership with this establishment. You have on the same uniform as me. Now we are colleagues. We are co-workers. Now I get it. In some business relationships, it's not altogether smooth and fluid. But because we're in this business relationship, I'm going to act right. I'm not going to come in here and act ignorant. We're on the same team, and we're trying to get this project done. Even the world knows how to act like they're on the same page when they're working for the same business. We are children of God. And the Lord, not me, the Lord has an expectation that if we have put on Christ, that we should be one in Christ. So it doesn't matter how much money you have or don't have, we're one. It doesn't matter what your gender is, we are one. It doesn't matter your race, we are one. And I know that there's a lot of craziness going on around in the world, but like we just told the children, we are the light of the world. The darkness shouldn't be quenching our fire. We should be pushing back the darkness. So when they want to see how do you get together when you're different genders, come look at this family right here. When they want to see how do you act when you're different races, come look at this family right here. When they want to see how do you get together when you live on a house on a hill and you barely can keep your hut in the valley, come into this family and see how we do. Because we're one. We're one in Christ. And now maybe I'm on an island by myself. I had my sister uh, ask me this week when I was talking to her, like, Michael, when you talk the way that you do, do you get a little nervous? <clears throat> like that people might you know, like, respond a different way. I was like, well, you know, <clears throat> I don't really get nervous, <clears throat> but that's because I have my commercial driver's license. <clears throat> and so if you all leave me, I can still go and get a job and feed my family. But I just... <clears throat> You know, I cannot, it's just something in me when you come to know Jesus, I cannot compromise the truth. And I know that this is not going to be one of those ones where we create a tunnel and Michael runs out like, yeah, yeah, like, man, you might have a different response. And I'm cool with that, right? I did not answer the call to try to be popular. I answered the call in hopes to be faithful. And so if it hurts, I get it. I've been feeling it myself. But we have to walk in this. Because this is one of the reasons why the body of Christ is not doing a good job of reaching in. Oh, we say we believe, but we don't behave like it. People aren't seeing the togetherness. They're seeing the division. And God is saying, I didn't die for that. Jesus died so that we can be one. We put on Christ. And we need to behave like it. 
And just so that we can see that the word says this, I'm going to just keep on diving into scripture. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4 through 7. You're going to see this oneness is not a suggestion. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Anybody else thinking that Paul might be trying to hint to us oneness? One body. Now, we understand that for ourselves, right? I mean, you might not be very fond of your feet. You know, some people like their feet and they want to keep their toes out. That's cool. It's another Texas thing. I think people are just have stock and flip-flops. <clears throat> you know, so you walk around with your feet out. It's hot. I get it. And regardless of how you feel about your big toe, you touch that thing on the end of your bed, and you might just say something that's going to let me know that we still need to work on you getting some words out of your vocabulary, right? But you don't stub your toe like, but at least my thumb feels good. No, everything, you're, oh my good God alive. You know, you just start talking. Like what is wrong? It's a toe. It's one toe. You have all these other members. You got hearts, lungs, everything else. But everything in you because your one body reaches for that one toe. And you are keenly aware, I need my toe, love my toe. Want my toe not to ever do that again. Right? We understand this. We're one. Well, this is the same way the scripture compels us to be one. Go later and look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Where you'll see that when the body suffers, we all suffer. When we rejoice, we all rejoice together. So because we are one, we have all put on Christ. And we are one body that causes us to respond a certain way to each other. And it's not based on anything other than identifying with Christ and identifying with each other. Not a suggestion. It's an expectation because of who Christ is and what he has done. But so that you don't have to take my word for it. Let's take the word's word for it. First John chapter 4. Verses 7 through 12. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God. Because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. That God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him because we put on Christ. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. The perfect payment. Beloved, if God so loved us, listen, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Now, some things that we need to note here. When John is writing this letter, he's writing to believers. Beloved, let us love one another. 
He's talking to the body of Christ. Now, this does not mean that we are not to love others who are not saved. Actually, if we read through the scriptures, we know that we are to, to the point that we're even to love our enemies and to love those who persecute us. So this is not saying that we don't love others who are not a part of the body of Christ. But right now, what John is communicating is an expectation, and we're going to see even stronger a requirement that if we are a part of the body of Christ, that we should care for each other. We should have all things in common. So we see here, John says, beloved, in verse 11, if God so loved us, how did he love us? He sent his only son to pay the price for our sins, then we also ought to love one another. Now, this Greek word translated ought is not suggestive. It's not, oh, you know what? You should consider or maybe think about. No, this word in the Greek actually comes from the legal sphere. It means literally to owe. It presents indebtedness. Now, over time, it became a moral or used in a moral sense to to speak to moral obligation. But originally, it meant legal requirement. So here, John is saying not that you should think about. No, he's saying if you have received the love of Jesus, then reciprocate that love to one another. And again, not when you feel like it, not if you think it's a good idea, No, if you have experienced so great a love that would desire, that would choose to die, and this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. If we've experienced a love that was willing to rescue us while we were sinners, while we were in our trespasses, you ought to. You are morally obligated to. You are bound by the love of Christ in you to love your brother and your sister, to love one another because you are one body. And I understand what that means because I have a body. This is what we are called to. This is what the body of Christ is required to do. And so when we see this verse, it could be seemingly an obscure verse that we just walk right over. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. But this is not just a verse that we can glance over to get to the rest of the good stuff. This is the linchpin. If we don't have this recipe, we don't reach in. If you do not love Christ, then already you know that you're going to live for your own selfish desires. Listen, I, I grew up. And it's it's hard, a hard truth for me. I grew up going to church. I was in every play. I could recite scripture. But around 13, 14 years old, my dad didn't want to have anything to do with Christ. My mom loved him. And having that split in the home, I just, well, do me. Right? And I did and ran in everything that I could find that I thought I was big and bad enough to do. Until 25 when Jesus rescued me from me. But one of the things that I saw as I was coming up and still even going to church during that time. Was that it didn't feel like a family. It fell flat. I felt more connected 
with my boys out on the streets than I did when I came into this familial environment. And so when I got old enough to not have to come anymore, why, why would I come? For what purpose? Right? And so it wasn't until, again, I experienced the love of God through my wife and through a pastor in Okinawa, Japan, that I started to think, well, maybe there, maybe there is something here that, that I need to dive into a little bit more. When I saw people reaching in and loving each other, that became appealing. I was like, huh, that's beautiful. I, I want to I get in on that. But when you don't see that, you know you think the same thing that anybody else would. Well, I can do bad all by myself. Like, why would I come into that mess? No. No one wants to be a part of that. Right? We don't want to be a part of that. We want to be a part of this, being together and having all things in common. But it starts with identifying with Christ. If you believe that Jesus is the Christ, and you have made him your Lord and Savior, then what we're talking about is not an option. It's not an option. I know that it's not easy, but it's not an option. This is what we're called to. Because of the love we've received, we are to be together. And just, just think about it for a moment. Aren't you tired of the division? It doesn't just make your heart break at the things that we're reading and seeing. It's not supposed to be that way. And it's not. But the question that I find myself wrestling with and that I'm going to pose to you for you to wrestle with is what are we doing about that? What are we doing about that? Am I on the sidelines complaining like, you see, there goes another one. And there it is again. And that's why I don't want to have anything to do with them. Or am I saying, I believe, Jesus. I believe in you. And I believe in the bride that you said you were going to build up. So I'm not going to fall back. I'm going to press in. I'm going to press in. I'm going to love. And like we see in Hebrews 11, by faith, I'm going to continue to press in. If I never see it because I believe who Jesus is, I'm pressing in. I'm a love in a way that doesn't make sense because of how Christ has loved me. And to that, I just feel like there are a few people in here, maybe not everybody, but there are a few people in here where you hear that and it's like an oasis in a desert. You're like, yes, yes. Then to those few, let's be this. Let's be this family that's together that identifies with each other. It's not going to be easy. No, you're going to say something that just, ah, you know, I, don't, I didn't care for the way they said that. But purpose over preference, right? That's what happens when we put on Christ. Purpose over preference. Yes, I like a little bit more uh, soulful stomping music. You know, there was, there was in, in my day. But now forget all that. Purpose over preference. You know, I don't care for a mood. But that's cool. Zach likes these lights. Go ahead and use your lights. Zach, you know, and just let's make us feel vibey. You know, I'm good with that. <clears throat> Zach, no, I love him. That's the only way I could do that. But <clears throat> it's, it's like, what are we talking about? Let's put our preferences aside and remember what we have put on. I mean, it just blows my mind to think about it. You have put 
on Christ. If you can, what time are you right? See, Vicki, thank you. Vicki encouraged me this morning. She said, Michael, don't you worry about time. And I said, Vicki, you're right. Not going to worry about time. So I'm not going to worry about time. <clears throat> like when, when I stop and think about this, that you put on Christ. These preferences, we have to be willing to put them aside because of who Christ is. It's a shame that we would be willing to put up with so many other things in this world because of the paycheck that we get or because of the neighborhood that we live in, right? Some of us pay HOA fees. We're like, I don't even know why I'm paying this, but you're paying it because of where you live, and you know, and you're just going to put up with it because that's the cost of living in this neighborhood and you want to stay in this neighborhood, right? We get it in so many ways, but then when it comes to this family, I mean, could you imagine if we did the nuclear family like we do the body of Christ the moment something doesn't look the way that I, I want it to look? Uh, Joe Mar, forget it. It's been a good marriage. Thank you. But I didn't like how you washed clothes this week, so I'm done. <clears throat> like, wait, what? You would look at me and say, Michael, that's foolish. That's your wife. Exactly. And it's foolish that we would split over a carpet. And as silly as it may sound, I've seen it personally. Church split over a carpet. But here we go. That may seem simple. It may seem minuscule. But then tell me what is worth a church split. Tell me. Give me one good thing that's worth splitting the body of Christ over. And then I'll tell you, you go ahead and take the left arm. I'll keep the right arm. And we'll see when we reconnect. If it's not for some heretical teaching, as long as we're in the word, and the word is being rightly divided, then we should consider ourselves family, and there should be nothing worth splitting over because we have put on Christ. And you can't take this uniform off. We don't just put on Christ on a Sunday morning. Christ is the totality of our life. We are in him. That's what we read, right? God is in all, through all, and above all. He's all in all. So it's not, oh, okay, well, I put on Christ my Sunday morning thing, but on Tuesday, I'm going to take off Christ and I'm going to put on my... No, we are in Christ always and forever. Act like it, right? And when I step on your toe, don't cut me off. Just tell me so that we can walk through it well, right? That's how the body is supposed to behave, but we're not behaving that way. See, I need a chair. I need a chair. Calm down, Michael. All right. If we believe, if we believe, if we believe who Jesus is, the son of the living God, if we believe this, it's a game changer. It changes everything. It changes how I see you. It changes how you see me. With all of my quirks, with all of my idiosyncrasies, with all of my little perks and, and not perks with all of my topo trinko drinking brothers and sisters like I can't even say the word I, I see Drew and it, it, it messed me up Andrew we just so cool now I call him Drew you know but <clears throat> Drew is a cool brother you know but that habit you know we I'm good with it I'm gonna still go over and we just go and drink water together right what are we doing as a family how are you pressing in or how are you falling away what have you made bigger than the blood of Jesus that you would say, 
I'm not going to have anything to do with the bride anymore. What have you made bigger than the blood of Jesus that you would say that I'm not going to see my brother and sister and look to care for them and to walk with them, to reciprocate the love that I have received? What is it? See, if the blood of Jesus is over our life, then we understand that the blood of Jesus has brought us together and the blood of Jesus binds us together. And there's nothing that can separate us from this love. And so in the same way, nothing should separate us from the body of Christ. And if we believe that, then we reach in. We connect. We care for each other. We take care of each other because that's what Jesus has demonstrated to us. There's something that I've been feeling in my heart for the last few weeks, and I want to make sure that I'm obedient to the Lord and create space for this. And so it's going to be a little bit awkward maybe for the first few times that I do it, but we'll press into it long enough where you'll start to at least know it's coming. <clears throat> I want to take a few minutes to just be still, to be quiet. So I want to invite the praise team back up because we're going to take a few moments to just consider what the Holy Spirit is speaking to our hearts. See, sometimes I feel like <clears throat> we sing songs of praise. We hear the word of God, and then we just move right on. And the Holy Spirit is starting to stir something up. And if you were here last week, you, you know the kind of stir we're talking about, where we need to acknowledge some things, where we need to deal with some things. And I don't want to release you from that too quick. See, because I'm not so impressed with me to think that the last however many minutes or so were the most important words that you'll ever hear in your life. Now, I believe that that was just an appetizer to the life-changing word that the Holy Spirit is speaking into your life right now. And so in our busy world where we like to fill up the space and have nice, fluid, clean transitions and just move on to the next thing, I want to break that. I want to break that habit for just a moment because the Bible says meditate means be still, be quiet, and think deeply on. So I want you to take a couple of minutes to think deeply on. What is the Spirit speaking to you? What do you and I need to do with this word today? What is it that you have made bigger than the blood? A preference that you had that was causing you to start to reconsider your commitment to the body of Christ looking down on your brother or sister, what is it that you need to hand over to the Lord? What's God doing in your heart in this hour? Don't, don't be so quick to just ignore that. Like a still, small voice, the Holy Spirit speaks, and we need to deal with that. And what I like to do is after I'm done praying, the praise team is going to lead us in a song of praise. We're going to have the elders in the back, and I'm going to ask, did I see Carrie? Yes, there you go. Carrie, if you can uh, be in the back as well, Andrew and Andrea, Jomar, <clears throat> I'll jump in the back after I uh, close us out. But during that song of praise, some of us, our first response may be to receive prayer, to have somebody be present so that you can confess and we can pray with you and pray for you. Right? Because of who we are, we want to reach in. 
and we want to care well for this great family. So you don't have to just put on a show. When we stand up, you can just make your way to the back and let us pray with you. Let us pray for you. During this time, we'll have on the screen our Connect card. If you like, you can scan that and fill that out and write up your prayer request, and I'll get that, and we'll pray for you during the week. Listen, we're family. We're one. We're going to walk together. I know it's going to be messy, but that's what we signed up for when we said that we were going to do life together because of who Christ is in our life. So for the next two minutes, you can bow your head, close your eyes, you can kneel, whatever you need to do, you and Jesus, just be still. Consider what the Spirit is speaking to your heart. And I'll pray for us, and then we'll sing a song of praise.